Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. Bonjour, hi, Canada. That music means it's the last radio hour of the week. I'm inside the Beltway. I'm Hugh Hewitt. My guest is Dr. Larry Arn. This is the Hillsdale Dialogue, and Dr. Arn and I have been friends for as long as uh, I've been in the business, which goes back to 1990. And so we've had a lot of conversation. We've never had this one, though. Uh, a couple of grandparents sitting around, and we send each other pictures of the best grandchildren in the world, and Larry's wrong about that. Uh, he thinks his are, and I know mine are, but... Uh, this is for grandparents and parents. This is the most practical Hillsdale dialogue I've ever done. It's got nothing to do with Aristotle. It's got nothing to do with Montaigne. It's got nothing to do with the Federalist Papers. It's got to do with where you send your child to school, mom and dad, and where you advise your children to send your grandchildren to school, grandma and grandpa. And it involves a series of decisions that used to be easy and now are complex uh, because there are, and there are increasingly more alternatives, homeschooling, private schools, charter schools, and government schools, public schools. And I want to begin by just asking Dr. Arn, how would you advise parents and grandparents who are listening to go about that decision? Yeah, well, that's, uh, so in one way, that's a very specialized question. In another way, it's just like everything else. Uh, We're going to talk about Aristotle we have so many times, we're going to do it again pretty soon. But the first line of Aristotle's ethics says that Every choice and action and art and inquiry we make aims for some good. And the first paragraph of Aristotle's politics says that every community is organized towards some good. And so the question is always, why do you want them to go? And why, first of all, when he gets to college, it very much matters what they want, because they're the ones who have to do the work. So what, what do you want them? What do you want from college? And that's just, that's a form of the question how do you want them to be? And the answer to that question is contained in those two quotes, and they're about six lines long, taken together. You want them to be good. And what does good mean? Good means functioning well as a human being functions, which means in intellect and character. Intellect is where the thinking happens and character is where moral action is seated. And, and so... You want them to develop those, right? And college, the general thing, college, the reason they have prestige, the reason they've lasted throughout Western history at least, uh, Eastern history, if I know a little bit about the history of China, is that we want to be good. And parents want their children to be good, good ones of those, right? If you got a horse, Aristotle says, you want it to be a good horse. And you want to treat it in a way that makes it a better horse, right? Well, if that's true of horses, he says, why not human beings? So you need to, and, and you know, the way you become good is you study what that is and you practice. And colleges are places for that. Now, there, I want to distinguish two things. Uh, one is learning to do a job. 
And that's a very important thing, right? And many community colleges, by the way, are very good at that and cheap. And, and everybody's going to have to do a job. Uh, it's just that not everybody's going to do the same job. And so college, that higher education, what makes it higher is that it is about the thing that every human being needs to know. Uh, and so right away, you see, you've got a filter. Colleges don't talk that way anymore, right? They don't. <clears throat> they do. There, there's a shift going on right now. What they used to say was, uh, you know, why is the Ivy League so fancy? You make more money after you graduate. Uh, why are they so fancy today? They're getting back to a different and scientific form of the original purpose, which was we're going to make you an excellent human being, which means woke. Yes. Uh, and, and so uh, you want, that's the ne- first negative thing. You want to avoid that, right? Because what that means, you don't want your child taught by high authorities, much more learned than the child, by the way. Uh, you don't want them taught that their fate is sealed in the color of their skin. And, and that's, you know, that's an evil doctrine, and that's the common doctrine today. In fact, I, I will be, I am called a racist because I don't propagate that doctrine. I, I disagree with it. I, I work in an abolitionist college, and I've been studying and admiring Abraham Lincoln for my whole adult life. So, yeah, you, don't, you, you want to avoid that. Right, because you, you want your kid to think. If you, if you want to see what the danger of that is, by the way, read a book by C.S. Lewis called *The Abolition of Man*. It's it's one of his greatest books. It's not very long. It is a bit dense, and it starts with uh, an anecdote of something that happens in a classroom. Uh, Coleridge has tells a little story. I have reason to believe C.S. Lewis gets the story slightly wrong, but it doesn't make any, never mind. Uh, And somebody's, uh, two people are looking at a waterfall. And one of them says it's pretty, and another one says it's sublime. And Coleridge thought, pretty is no good here. Sublime is right. Uh, and, 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 And then the English teacher, who's teaching this story, says, really... All that those two people were doing was describing their own feelings. And that means, you see, the reality of the waterfall is gone. Yep. I, you know, I've never seen Niagara Falls, but I've seen the Great Falls in Yosemite. You know, I live close to Niagara Falls. I need to go there. Yes, you uh, do. That's kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've set out there several times, and I've never, the trip didn't come off. Uh, but, you know, that's majestic or sublime. The ones in Yosemite are awesome. I mean, it's just, you know, you... If I can that. interject, at the beginning of every semester with my law students, I say, you know, every weekend you could leave this campus Friday at 3 and be in back here Monday for class and have gone to Yosemite. And if you don't, it's on you because it's a six-hour drive. It's just nuts when people don't go to Yosemite. Yeah. And, you know, I I have the vice of motorcycle riding and... Uh, there's a thing you can do. You go in, You can go up the uh, west, east side of the Sierras, and then you get up to a certain place, and you turn left, and you go over the Tioga Pass, which is the highest drivable pass yep. in, in the United States. 
and then you go along uh, Tuolumne Gardens, and you're looking down on Yosemite, and you you know it's 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 fun, right? If you do it the other way, it's a white knuckled descent from Tuolumne yeah. Meadows down to uh, uh, the lake that's salt. Uh, I can't remember that. I mean, it's a white knuckled descent. Oh yeah, and and the point is, if you see things like that. Uh, you know, one of the ways to illustrate one of the most important words in Aristotle is beautiful. The Greek word is kalon. And what does beautiful mean? It means that when you see something beautiful, you stop and you forget about everything else. And you see that you are looking at something that is an end unto itself. And, you know, actions can do that. Uh, uh, we talked about terrible performance of law enforcement officers under fire last week, but just think of beautiful things that they are done on battlefields. Just read the citations of people who read, read who, uh, who win the Congressional Medal of Honor, and they'll make you cry. And that's another thing about beauty. When you see it, it makes you want to cry. And then you see it in arguments, too. You see, just as the good is a substantial thing, it's not a it's not a vague thing. It's not a personal thing. Uh, it's not just everybody thinks different about it. Uh, you know, watch the Olympics. The, those athletes are good, and some of them are beautiful, right? Well, that, in other words, in every realm, our capacity is to see what makes each thing what it is, which is also what makes it good. And... We want our student, our children, to think like that, right? Because that that firms up something already in in them, already in the fact that they learn to talk, and that is, they should aim to be good, and they should long for the good, and especially for the beautiful. Now, when I come back, I'm going to start in the short segment with preschool, in the longer segment with elementary school, and in the last segment with high school and how you choose by asking Dr. Arn. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue is underway. It's an hour on how to make choices about your children's education with Dr. Larry Arn, or how to advise your children how to make choices about your grandchildren with Dr. Larry Arney, who's both a parent and a grandchild, as a grandparent, as I am. Uh, I think the easiest one is preschool. And, Dr. Arn, I'm going to offer an opinion and have you vet it. Uh, the Fetching Mrs. Hewitt made these decisions for our children, and our children make it for theirs. And I said, to the extent that you use preschool, two days a week, three days a week, go to a, a sectarian one and the most conservative denomination or at least a mainstream conservative denomination so they end up at lutheran preschools uh because they were close and critically you could talk to the person running it as the fetching mrs hewitt did we loved our preschools and they taught bible lessons and they were traditional and they were not interested in orienting a child towards a secular point of view at all they were purposefully, and I believe this is, I don't care if it's what the denomination is, you will always be better off at a sectarian preschool than a secular one. What do you think? Yeah, that's a very good filter. I mean, for our kids went to a Baptist preschool, and the great Mrs. Hodges, I remember her name. Huh? And uh, what do the kids learn? I mean, first of all, uh, it, you know, there are things that by nature 
children are already beginning to do, you know, by the age of two, by the way. Uh, and the first part of education is to get good at those things, right? And they are reading, writing, and arithmetic. Operations of the human soul that only humans do. No dog ever did them. And so uh, the, the immediate point, and in the early years, the overwhelming point, is to get good at those things, right? Now, good again. And so the, uh, a preschool of the disposition that you just named they will be teaching the children that things are real. The things they see are real. Not, they're not just seeing themselves. It's not different for everyone who looks. And that's the first step toward knowing the good, and it's also the first step toward God. And so, yeah, a place that will do that. And you're right that uh, uh, faith gives a powerful motive if it's in any way orthodox to, first of all, focus on the children and what they need, right? And you're not, in, you're not introducing them to a social engineering project. You're starting them on a process of growth that happens inside them, right? If you can get out of your mind that it's what you do to them. Instead, what should be in your mind is look at the marvels they do. And we should help them. And do you have an opinion on the benefit of Sunday school? Even if you are a secular absolutist and you don't believe a thing, I happen to have atheist friends who attend Mormon churches because they like their preschool program and their Sunday services. Well, uh, you know, first of all, you know, we're of a certain age, and that means that we grew up when all this modern stuff was getting going. But here's how I remember uh, Sunday school. I remember it one way in, in, in the, at the time, and another way in res- retrospect. Uh, the way I uh, remember it at the time is, it was contemptible, <laughs> and so all, <laughs> all of our efforts, you know, in Pocahontas, Arkansas, right? Uh, we found a hundred ways to sneak out, and and uh, uh, you know, there's one store. Open on it's not. I, I've been there lately, and I know it's closed now. It's a shame, but there was Peter's Variety Store called Joe Pete's, and it was the only thing open on Sunday morning. I never saw them make a transaction in there, but we would sneak out a search and go prowl around in that store, and <laughs> and, and you know, of course, we got caught. Uh, kid, kids today, as kids then, they they marvel at how obvious these subterfuges they do are. Uh, Anyway, in retrospect, I remember things from Sunday school. And, you know, I read the Bible consistently, but uh, uh, (laughs) the stories we learn there, and, you know, many are cool. You're a little boy, you're you're an Old Testament guy. And... uh, we need people. I just read it. I listened to the Bible in a year about King Solomon, 1 King 11 today. Not useful to have 700 concubines and 300 wives. Not useful. Not good. Not in the ways of the Lord. Don't go anywhere, America. Dr. Arn will be back after the break. America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Larry Arn is the president of Hillsdale College, and he's about to talk about kindergarten and first grade. 
because it is their choices are made which will carry your child for many, many years. And there are four choices. There is the Catholic system, of which I am a product. There is the uh, traditional public school, which is available to everyone in America of one sort or another, and they are very, very wildly different. There is homeschooling, which is increasingly popular, and then there are charter schools. Uh, if you've got a Catholic school and you can't afford it, ask them if maybe you can. Uh, and that goes for any religious school. That's my belief is the best choice. But, Dr. Arn, your thoughts on that choice and its criticality at, at KN1? First well, thing. as you say, all of those, all the schools in those categories, and charter schools are just a differently governed form of public school, they vary widely in what they're trying to do. Right, so I repeat my point. The first thing to find out is what in their minds are they trying to do? And if they're trying to make the kids good by the ordinary standards of that, not by the contemporary standards, because they demolish the word good, then you got yourself a school. And also you'll find that schools that are like that will be much better prepared to talk with you. Yes. And, and uh, Elaborate on that, will you? They're not afraid. Well, you know, so what's happened is, uh, why is it that there has to be a federal rule about everything? Uh, and, and, you know, if you, if you, in your own life, you can't even think like that, right? Because most of what you do in your life is prudential. These circumstances demand what particular service to the good. And that's how we live our lives. We think about that all the time. The good is there, but then there's these circumstances. So why have we thought that we should make a rule for every little thing that governs the whole nation? And the the rules, of course, become complicated, unreadable, because it's hard to do that. Why is that? Well, expertise is the answer. Only experts can know. And that's why in Loudoun County, Virginia, uh, those parents got up in arms when they found out what their kids were being taught and also not being taught. And they rebelled, and they called the FBI on them. And, and, you know, more is coming out every day about Loudoun. It is now almost a laughingstock line in Virginia. What happened in Loudoun County? It's not just what you know about. There are contemporaneous incidents occurring. All the time. All the time. And, and remember, in the public schools, more than half the employees are not teachers. Right. You know, and you go to a charter school, go to a private school, and walk around and count. Right. You, you know, it'll be four, six, eight to one in favor of teachers. So they've got a mass of people whose job is to make rules and enforce them and other people whose job is to teach. And and uh, that's you know, that's nuts, uh, because another thing people need to get in their minds when they think about school is that until it gets to be rocket science, it's not rocket science. Right. You can teach your child to read. No question about it. And the reason is the child can almost teach himself or herself. And And I am not a teacher of small children. And I taught my three children to read, as did the fetching Mrs. Hewitt. And I know it can be done. Because, see, reading is harder than talking. I've been reading uh, uh, Augustine's Confessions. Oh, dear. And early on. See, I, you know, I confess I've read that book, but not for a long time and not with great attention. But a great man wrote a pretty thing about what the effect it had on him. One of the things he does early on is he distinguishes 
and relates how you learn to talk and how you learn to read. And there's just I've forgotten step that. In, you know, I forgot that. Huh. You learn to you learn to talk by listening, right? Uh, I don't think our listeners were privileged to hear it, but I heard a few minutes ago that my granddaughter came in the house, and and grandson too, but he doesn't make any noise yet, and uh, uh, and she, she Charlotte, the squink we call her, she she's a talking fool. <laughs> she's eighteen months old, and. It's it's amusing and great because she makes up her own vocabulary out of the words that, that she can say, but she applies it consistently as humans do, right? Like the term for me is baba. Well, now I've learned that that's not a, 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 a proper noun. That's a common noun. Every old guy she sees is baba. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm baba. So I thought for maybe you'll graduate to baba. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I can tell I'm special, but... <laughs> Also, I'm reminded all the time I'm in a You're common now. <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and see, that, you know, it's kind of like there's only one mamma. Uh, but there's many babas. Babas? Babas. Many babas. <laughs> there seem to be only one dada, which I resent a little bit. Um, so she's learning that, right? Now all you got to do is teach her to apply that to the marks on the page. Yep. And they can do that in kindergarten. And it is an extra step, and it, and you know some children, by the way, just pick up a book and read it. Eventually, you know, by themselves. Yeah. That has that has, by the way, uh, sent us down a false trail, because we think that you don't have to do phonics, because some kids don't need them, and what we miss is phonics works for everybody. I mean, even dyslexic kids, unless it's very severe, they can learn to read through phonics. There's a marker, by the way. If your school is anti-phonics, it's not a school that you want to be yours. Yeah, right. And, you know, phonics is, we, we, we love to abandon phonics because it's tedious, right? It's really cool. It's not tedious to kindergarten kids. No, it's not. And, and you know, we, uh, there are four or five cases of which I know where there was a severe disability of some kind. Apart from them, every kindergartner has left kindergarten in the whole Hillsdale system reading. And, you know, the national goal is that they learn to read by the third grade, into the third grade. So that they can read to learn from fourth on. That's it. But, you know, they can read much earlier than that. And, and because they're, they've already solved the problem in principle, you just need to learn, teach them how to apply it to text. And, they, you know, they've got it. They can do it. It's a natural gift, and, and it's what makes us human. So, yeah, you want a school that focuses on that, right, that whole complex of things, which is not very hard to understand, by the way. Now, what do you teach your charter school principals about being available to parents for conversation? Well, uh, it's not too hard there because the parents have a choice, right? They pick the school, and now there's a long wait list. It's true. So they actually, it's kind of like the problem of getting into Hillsdale College these days. Uh, they pick the school, but most who do are disappointed. Uh, but still, the parents are, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, if you adopt a dog, which we do all the time, and they're awful, and you're responsible for them till the day they die. 
but you don't consult them, you know, about difficult questions. Yes. Children progress to the age, and pretty soon they start getting there, where they are a factor. Their judgment, their soul, their reason is a, is a factor in everything. And parents, that's what parents do, right? And it's one reason why uh, when your kid graduates from college, a scene that I see every year, uh, they are both sad and proud. Now, I have to ask you the most difficult question. What's it worth? Because parents are struggling. Gas costs $6 a gallon in California under the presidency of Joe Biden. It could even reach $10 a gallon. And uh, I, I, in Catholic school, uh, every nun was obliged to say five times a day, your parents are sacrificing to send you here. And in fact, they were. And parents who did not have incomes like my parents, who was a small town lawyer and a homemaker, nevertheless got their kids into Catholic school by making a sacrifice. How much do you think the modern parent considers the sacrifice worth and what ought they to consider in making that decision not to get a car, not to go on vacation, not to eat out, but to send their child to private school if the charter isn't available? Well, uh, you know, back in the day when our kids were coming of age, the first one, excuse me, the first one, uh, Kathleen, Dr. O'Toole now, uh, she's going to go to public school in the place where we lived. You can figure it out, but I won't say it. And I kept trying to get a meeting with somebody at the public school, and I never was able to do it. Uh, Ooh, red flag. I, I said to somebody in the school, I said, you know, I could get a meeting with the governor of California <laughs> in a week. Is there nobody here who can talk to me? <laughs> And so we bit the bullet, and we sent our daughter to a local expensive private school, which we couldn't really uh, afford, you know, refinancing our home every few years, all that stuff. And, and I'm not confident it was worth it, uh, uh, because the, the real solution to the problem, insofar as there is one, is that you have to take responsibility for your child's education. Do you regret the decision? Uh, well, it didn't last long because I got hired here. And, ah. And so it wasn't that, that is a lesson. If you have to, move for your children's education's sake. Yeah, that was a factor, you know. I mean, first of all, I've always believed and believe to this day that the craziest idea in the world is that any serious person would be a college president. And... I was firmly of that conviction. And, you know, I came here for various reasons have to do with the greatness of the founding of the college and the fact that I like, I always liked school. I just didn't like the way they're run. Uh, but, you know, it was a better situation for our family. Uh, there was a good school here. Uh, I, I, I found out that there were problems in there, and I've worked to fix them. I think I have. But, uh, you know, that's, it, it, it worked. And, and, and it's, it's incumbent upon parents to hear that. When we come back, we're going to talk about the high school and the junior high decision in seven minutes. And actually what we're doing is just getting you to focus on it. Dr. Larry Arn is president of Hillsdale College. Welcome 
Welcome back, America, to you and Dr. Larry Arn. We're talking about where your kids should go to junior high and high school. And I want to begin by saying my kids had no say in the conversation, Dr. Arn, none, uh, because they are not old enough to decide that decision. And we made different choices for different children based upon different skill sets and different opportunities. What say you on that issue? Well, uh, your kids grow up and they grow up fast. And so you want to have a relationship with them that is not despotical, not despotic, and yet also is. Uh, and that means that when they are able to do a thing, they should be helped to do it as much as possible for themselves. Uh, that means teaching them responsibility for themselves starts early. But then on the other hand, you know, they do have to do what you say. Yes. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, so those... It's a, you know, this whole parenting thing is very difficult, right? Because the whole purpose of parenting is to prepare them to grow up and live on their own. And on the other hand, your, your whole life centers on them. We've just said you should be prepared to move to give your children a good life and a good growing up and a good school, right? And, and yeah, and that means you've got to adjust your priorities. But then on the other hand... After you adjust all your priorities and distort the heck out of your life and, and, you know, complicate your life and increase the expenses of your life vastly, then darn it, they leave. And, <laughs> yes, they do. You know, it's a very human life is a cursed thing. And, uh, and, you know, on the other hand, eventually they give you grandchildren and you get your revenge. Yes, you do. And you are repaid. That's right. So it's, uh, so yeah, so... Uh, and, you know, school, just remember, we have to get this idea out that K-12 through education is rocket science. It is not. There are two things a kid needs. They need skills, and the skills are reading, writing, and arithmetic, and they need knowledge. And the knowledge is knowledge of the natural world in science, of the moral world in philosophy and literature, of the past world in history. Right, and those are the subjects, right? And and you know, uh, high school physics is understandable to anyone, and uh, you, sh- you so you need to go to a place that will give skills and knowledge in those categories I just named. And on your last on your last point about high school physics, Mr. Snyder would disagree with you about that with regards to me. But I want to focus on one red flag. There is a website, uh, uh, Libs on TikTok, on Twitter. And we are repeatedly treated to crazy things happening. Now, there are a lot. There are 131,000 K through 12 schools. And so there's going to be uh, a few hundred ideologues trying to convert children. But what uh, my advice is flee from any school that has one. And they're not that hard to find because they ought not to be indoctrinating your children in other than being good. Yeah, well, comments. if like um, Hillsdale is a Christian college, the charter schools are not Christian schools. Correct. And yeah. and and that, you know, and that uh, the question of God is a fundamental question that arises in nature from our experience. And some of the greatest books ever written are about written about God and they're affiliated if they're affiliated with a faith, with more than one faith, one should read those books. Because, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's great. And, and, uh, and you don't, you know, you don't, you know, 
we're Christians. Christianity is the most volitional of all of the religions. You can't go to heaven for anybody else. And you can't make anybody go there, right? right? And so in raising a child up as a person of faith, which is an object that my wife and I desire and everybody should desire, we think, you, you, it's just like everything else in raising a child. You are laying the ground for them to understand that, and you're developing the habits in them to regard that as a fine thing. And then the time will come pretty soon when they're going to start making their own choices about that. I uh, want to close by asking you, I, I really think parents have to start going to school boards if their kids are in public school. They have to. Uh, yeah. School boards seem divorced from the, the good and the right. They seem, many of them, uh, first of all, I wouldn't vote for any incumbent, and that means some of my friends are going to get voted out. But they're, they're adrift, and I am alarmed by this, Dr. Arm. We have one minute. Yeah, well, they need to do two things. As a parent, they need to go to the school board. As a citizen, they need to figure out about school reform, which will, all the good forms of school reform, return power to places near the children and the parents and the teachers. And school boards, one thing wrong with them is they've got orders from above all the time. And they shouldn't have them. They're not needed. Uh, rare cases, right, and that they're needed. And so that, you know, we have to change education in America because what's happened to it is what's happened to everything. It is bureaucratized, which means centralized and technical. And wrong. And wrong. Uh, so badly broken. Dr. Larry Arn will be back next week as we begin our journey into the ethics via that amazing course that they have available. He's going to do the introductory, and then we're going to go to the video. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.